0: This is the Hoove It or Lose It podcast, hosted by Pastor Andy Hoover. Well, tonight we are going to wrap up a uh, two-part series that we started last week entitled Buried Alive. And last week we spent some time talking about the people in our lives, maybe our friends, our loved ones, family members, people that we do life with. uh, And uh, yet we somehow manage to avoid having any meaningful conversation with those people about who Jesus is or what Jesus wants to do in their lives. Yet we continue to say that we love those people and we care for those people. And yet uh, they walk around. I said last week that they walk around upright with smile. Look, a horse. Uh, they walk around uh, upright uh, with smiles on their face, uh, looking normal. Yet in reality, they are buried alive in sin and hopelessness and confusion. So, tonight, uh, I want to talk about this idea of what our role is in someone's spiritual development. Let me start out by saying that it's certainly not your role to save anyone, right? Uh, That is a role that only Jesus can play. Uh, Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, uh, said this in the book of Acts, chapter 4. He said, For Jesus is the one referred to in the Scriptures where it says the stone that you builders rejected have now has now become the cornerstone. And then he says this, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven, this is what the Bible says, this what Peter says, by which we must be saved. So let me be abundantly clear tonight as we start talking about what our role is in someone's spiritual development. Let me ab- be abundantly clear with you and tell you that, that, that you and I can't bring salvation to anyone. You and I can't save people from their sin. We can't save people from their hopelessness. That role has already been filled by Jesus, right? That role has already been uh, completed as Jesus walked the earth. He lived the perfect life. He became the perfect sacrifice for you and I to be made right. In God's sight. We didn't. We can't. It's impossible for us to live a perfect life, but yet Jesus did it. And here's what I want you to understand. It's that perfect sacrifice, that perfect life that Jesus lived that you and I get to hold up as a substitution, right? I mean, we understand this idea. If you've been around the spiritual block, even a few times, you understand that we're holding up before God, the substitution of Jesus Christ so that we can be made right in God's sight. Listen, that's salvation in a nutshell. And that's what your friends, that's what your loved ones, the people that you do life with, that's what they need to experience for themselves. And what I was pitching last week to you, as we talked about this, was that your friends are in desperate need of this, yet in the midst of all of their desperate need, you and I just continue to shovel dirt on top of their graves By talking to them about everything that seems so important yet in reality is so insignificant. So what does it look like? That's what I want to talk about tonight just for a few minutes. What does it look like for you and I to not continue to shovel more dirt on top of someone's grave, but what does it look like for, for you and I to begin to help them? In other words, uh, while we're not able to save people, how do we help people in the process? I mean, these are people that we love. These are people that we care for. We can't save them, but how do we help them in the process of, of, of finding and discovering who Jesus is? Let me suggest to you that there are three quick things. The first one is this. I think you and I need to learn to live consistently. Consistently. Brennan Manning, who was an American author, um, said this. He said that um, the the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and yet walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. And then he says this, that is simply what an an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. That we as Christians uh, would acknowledge Jesus with our lips and yet we walk out the door and we deny him by our lifestyle. See, here's the deal, you guys. Your friends, my friends, the people that I do life with, the people that you do life with, they don't understand. It doesn't make sense to them when we say that we love Jesus, when they know that we go to church. They say, when we say that we read the Bible, we say that's important to them, yet we act and speak like everyone who makes no claim to follow Jesus. That doesn't make sense to them. There's a, there's a disconnect between your words and your actions. And that doesn't make sense to the people around you. Here's what it does, you guys. Honestly, it creates confusion. It creates a lot of confusion. It creates this false understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. So so they walk around thinking that, oh, the way that you live your life, even though you say this and you act a totally different way, they then associate and go, oh, that's what it means to follow Jesus. Now, nobody's looking for perfection. Let me just put everyone's nerves to rest. No one's looking for perfection. No one expects you to be perfect. No one expects me to be perfect. But here's the deal, you guys. They expect us to live consistently. Now you may be thinking, hey man, I don't really think it matters because no one's paying attention to me on whether or not I live my life consistently or not. I mean, who am I? I'm just some person. I'm just another person. There's hundreds or thousands of people in my school and no one's really paying attention to me. Listen to me, students. Make no mistake. People are watching you. People are watching you. Even when you think no one is looking, people are watching you. And they're developing an understanding of Jesus based on how you live consistently consistently or inconsistently. And every time, listen to this, every time, every time you demonstrate consistency in your words and in your actions with what you say you believe and actually how you live, every time you do that, I want you to understand this, every time you take this grave that your friends are trapped in, in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of confusion, every time you live consistently, you take it and you whack on the side of the grave. Now here's what you're doing at that moment. You're no longer shoveling dirt on top of the grave, right? You're no longer shoveling dirt on top of the grave. Every time you tell people that Jesus is important to you and then you actually act like it, you're banging on the side of the grave and you're breaking people out. Now listen, they have to make the choice. Listen to me. They have to make the choice to get up and to come out of the grave. That's not a choice that you and I can make for them. That's the saving work of Jesus Christ. But instead of shoveling more dirt on the top, we start to break down the sides of the grave, Every time you tell people that you believe what the Bible says about sex before marriage and then you actually live it out, you're taking and you're breaking away some more of the grave. Every time you tell people that you believe what the Bible says about truth, about honesty, about being forthright, regardless of the outcome, right? Because we've developed this idea that, hey, I don't really lie unless it's a white lie. Listen, there's no such thing as a white lie. So every time you tell people that you believe in Jesus, every time you tell people you believe in something as old-fashioned as one of the Ten Commandments that says, Thou shalt not lie, every time you say that and then you actually follow through with it, I want you to understand that you're breaking apart the grave. For your friends. Every time you live consistently, you're taking a whack. Living your life, you guys, in a manner. Living your life in a manner that is consistent with who you say you are. Helps bring life to your friends. You are no longer throwing more dirt on top of the grave and just burying them. You're helping to bring freedom. And you're helping to bring life to them. Here's the second one. So the first one is living consistently, and the second one is serving freely. And here's what I mean when I say serving freely. I think a lot of people live in this, this, this mindset, or we have this idea that uh, we have this mentality of, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine, right? I'll help you out if you help me out, right? I'll stick up for you if, if you stick up for me. Uh, uh, when it's needed. I, if you do something nice for me, it must be because you want something. Or if I do something nice for you, don't forget that I did something nice for you, and that's going gonna, gonna to come back around, and I expect you to repay me in some, in some way. Listen, all of the written accounts, you guys, if you study the Bible, all the written accounts we have about the life of Jesus, he never once modeled this. He never once modeled this idea that um, you should serve people with an agenda. In fact, listen to some of what Jesus says about how he decides to serve people. This is what it says in Mark. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials, and they flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, listen to this, you guys. He says, but among you, you must be different. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the people that are walking in the way. He's talking to the people that are following him, his teachings. He says, among you, it must be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the son of man, he's talking about himself. Even the son of man, he says, even me, Jesus, I came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then he goes on and he says this. Check this out. He says, for I was hungry. This is Jesus talking. He says, I was hungry and you fed me. He said, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? or thirsty and give you something to drink, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. Listen, you guys, guess who can't return the favor when you give them food? Hungry people. Because if they had food to begin with, they wouldn't be hungry. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, Jesus is mapping this out for us. Guess who can't return the favor when you give them clothes to wear? Naked people. Because they're naked. If they had clothes to give you, they would probably have put them on. I mean, do you understand what I'm driving at? I mean, it's this idea. Well, what was Jesus saying here in this passage? He was modeling for us, you guys. He was mapping out this idea of what it looks like to serve freely. And listen, every time you serve your peers freely, it's going to just, it's going to blow their minds. It's not even going to make sense to people. And maybe that's as simple for you as helping a friend in, in math class uh, who you know is struggling. You know they really can't help you, but you're helping them because you know that they're struggling with this problem. Maybe for you, that's what that looks like. Maybe, maybe for you, it's sitting next to the person, the girl in lunch, that nobody, nobody sits next to you. And don't tell me that you don't have somebody like that in your life. Maybe for you, it's partnering up with the kid in science class that nobody, nobody wants to be a partner with. And listen, I want you to understand that the normal motivation for most people in helping other people is, is that, hey, I'm going to get something in return. And, and their normal question that they're asking is, when they help someone is, what am I going to get for this? You know, how's this going to help me out So when you walk in, you guys, I want you to understand when you walk into a situation and you voluntarily choose to sit next to someone who's struggling or choose to sit next to someone who's on the outcast or choose to sit one, sit next to somebody or help somebody do something and you know good and well, listen, you know good and well, it's not going to help your image. It's not going to help your popularity. It probably is definitely not going to help your grade because this person has no clue what they're doing. When you voluntarily do that, people are going to look at you like you are nuts. I mean, it's not even going to make sense. They're going to look at you and they're going to say, why are you doing that? You know who that is, right? Don't you care about your image? Don't you care about what people think about you? But here's what they don't know. They don't know that you've made a different decision. They don't know that you are no longer keeping as a priority in your life what everyone else thinks, and you are beginning to keep the priority of what God wants in your life. And here's what I want you to understand. Every time you serve freely, you guys, every time you serve freely to the people around you, I want you to understand that you take a whack on the side of the grave. Sorry about that. Cover your eyes. Every time you do that, every time you treat people, listen, every time you treat people the way that Jesus treated people, you're taking a whack on the side of the grave. Every time you serve someone without any expectation, without any expectation of ever getting anything in return, every time you do that, you are taking a whack on the side of their grave. Now listen, I'll say it again, you can't bring them out of the grave. That's only a work that Jesus Christ can do, but you can begin to free them from the bondage and the helplessness and the hopelessness and the confusion that they feel. Every time you do that, you take a whack at the grave. Here's the third one, the last one. We have to learn to begin to speak boldly. Now, here's what I want you to understand. As you lay a foundation, and I'm gonna introduce a concept to you here. As you lay a foundation of living consistently, and serving freely. As you lay a foundation of those two things in that relationship, I want you to understand that you're building, uh, this is the phrase I want to introduce to you if you haven't heard it, you're building relational capital. And here's what I mean by relational capital. Let's imagine for a moment that every time you live consistently among that friend, or you serve freely among that peer, or that loved one, or whoever it is, every time you do that, you are depositing something into the bank account of that relationship. You're depositing something positive. It's like depositing cash into a bank account, right? So just imagine this figurative bank account. Every time you do something like that, you live consistently, you serve freely, you're depositing something into the bank account of that relationship. It's called relational capital. Now, understand this. If you do something stupid and you hurt that friend, what are you doing? You're no longer making a deposit. You're making a withdrawal from that relationship. That's what I mean when I talk about relational capital, and here's what I want you to understand. Every time you do that, you're making a deposit into the relational capital of that relationship. You're in essence building, here's what I want you to understand, you're in essence building a platform. You're building a platform by which at some point in that relationship, you're going to have the opportunity, because of what you've done here and what you've done here and the platform you've built, you're going to have an opportunity at some point to speak boldly about who Jesus Christ is in your life, and what you believe Jesus Christ wants for their life. You're going to have that opportunity. Here's the problem. The problem is this, you guys. The problem is that a lot of people run into this idea of speaking boldly to their friends about Jesus, but here's the problem. They don't have any relational capital. Do you understand what I'm driving at? They don't, have any, they don't have any relational capital. They haven't done the hard work of living consistently. They haven't done the hard work of, of serving freely. They don't have any credibility. And you can't skip. I want you to understand this. You can't skip living consistently. You can't act however you want to act and then try to tell somebody that Jesus loves them. You can't can't only serve them when it benefits you and you're their friend when it helps you and you're not their friend and you turn the other way and you stab them in the back when it doesn't help you. You can't do those things and then suddenly decide that you want to speak boldly about who Jesus is in your life. Theodore Roosevelt says this, he says, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. He wasn't talking about the Bible, but the same concept. He wasn't talking about a relationship with Jesus, but it's the same concept. Understand this, people don't care how much you know about who Jesus is and what he's doing in your life and how amazing he is if you're a jerk and you don't live consistently. You have to put in the hard work. Jesus says this in John chapter 13, verse 35. He says this, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. See, people need, listen to this, people need to see something different in you. People need to see something different in you before they will ever want to know why you are different. Let me say that again. People need to see something different in you before they will ever want to know why something is different in you. But I promise you this. If you make a habit, you guys, if you make a habit of living consistently and serving freely, then a natural byproduct of that will be your opportunity to speak boldly into the lives of your friends. It's just going to be a natural flow. And some of you are like, well, I just don't know what that looks like. And that's just going to be weird. And how am I supposed to just start speaking boldly? Listen, it's going to happen naturally. When you start doing this, when you start living consistently and, and you start serving freely, it's just going to be a natural byproduct. But here's the problem. This is what we do. This is what we do. We pick up this sledgehammer and we get all hyped at some camp or some convention or youth group. And we go into our schools tomorrow and we're like, Woo! I'm about to start telling people about Jesus. And we just freak out on people. But here's the problem. Listen to this. Here's the problem. You haven't done any of the hard work. But listen, I promise you this there will come a moment as you invest relational capital into that relationship. And you're investing and you're laying the groundwork and you're building a platform and you're living consistently. You're not perfect, but you're living consistently and you are serving freely, there is going to come an opportunity where you have the opportunity to pick up the sledgehammer and you have an opportunity to bust open wide the grave that your friend is in or your parents or your mom or your dad or whoever it is. You are going to have an opportunity, you guys, to take the sledgehammer and it is going to be like a night and day difference. And again, listen to me, you're never going to be able to pull them out of the grave. You are never going to be able to, to just grab them and pull them out. That is the work that only Jesus can do. But listen, you have to stop shoveling dirt on their graves. You have to start breaking down the sides of their grave. And you have to get the sledgehammer, and you have to just start beating and beating and beating and giving them an opportunity to be free. Because that is what God has called us to. Stop trying to pick up the sledgehammer and be some amazing evangelist before you're just consistent in your witness and before you're just serving people when you don't expect anything. Anything in return. Speaking boldly will come. It will come. There's some things that must happen before we ever get there. Thanks for listening to the Hoove It or Lose It podcast. For more information or resources, visit www.hoveitorloseit.com or or on Facebook at Hoove It or Lose It.